Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord and God bless you, Bishop Joseph Castillo. I am coming to you from Native American country. That's right, Native American country. As of, I believe, Friday, this area that I'm at in the Tulsa Broken Arrow and all of Eastern Oklahoma has been officially called by the federal court, federal Supreme Court, as Native peoples, Indigenous Native Americans land. So I'm coming to you almost from another nation right here, a missionary in the middle of the United States. And no, it's not a Chaz or Chop autonomous zone, but it's a zone that has been given back to the people of the Native Americans. And where we live, this area in particular, I'm told is kind of the, the Creek Nation people, C-R-E-E-K, I believe that's pronounced. And we're coming to you right here from Tulsa, Broken Arrow, area from the creek area the native people area and we also have many other uh, native american tribes around here in, in eastern oklahoma which i'm getting familiar with and i'm learning about the history and so forth so we're blessed to be here today and we just want to welcome you to the broadcast we are filming today live on uh, social media, YouTube and uh, Facebook and so forth. But also we're going to be uh, taking clips of this part of this broadcast today. And we're going to be resharing it uh, later on on the Trinity Broadcast Network Asia on Saturday night. So we'll edit some of this down. But right now we're here with you live and we are actually able to take some prayer requests and and any important comments we have our staff monitoring uh both here and abroad in asia and if there's any important prayer requests or anything like that that comes in on facebook we'll be glad to try, kind of address those but right now i'd like to invite you to go online and to share the broadcast or start a watch party if you start a watch party via facebook it will alert everybody there on your uh, particular page and it will invite them to join your watch party so we can uh, get the word out to many more people as we share today a message called a voice crying in the wilderness a voice crying in the wilderness and I'm going to share with you something that the Holy Spirit had uh, shared with me I shared a little bit about Friday night here at our new church the River Tampa and uh, excuse me uh, not the River Tampa the River Tulsa and I want to show a little video uh, to you to share with you what we're doing and what's happening here in Tulsa Oklahoma so let's play the video and we invite you to start a watch party is God done with Tulsa or can the oil of the Spirit be struck again? Has COVID caught the buckle of the Bible Belt with their pants down? In the middle of the world's darkest hour, Bishop Joseph Castillo of All Nations International Fellowship believes the spirit of revival is here and ready to be poured out on those who fearlessly preach the glorious full gospel of Jesus Christ and refuse to shut their doors. In the middle of this drought, a river is springing forth. The River Church has come to Tulsa by divine mandate and will be opening its doors this summer. Join us at the River of Tulsa at All Nations International Fellowship. Amen. I hope that a video excited you as it excited me. We have so much footage 
uh, to go through to make this video of me ministering, preaching, and uh, of course, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, Kenneth Hagen, T.L. Osborne, or Roberts, as we wanted to share this uh, vision with you that what God is speaking and what God is saying. And we're going to address some of this today, some of the things that you may have seen in the video, and some of the kind of spirits that we can test a bit about what God is doing. So we're going to share with you a little bit from the book of Matthew. But before we do that, let's get in a word of prayer. And let's pray before we get into the word of God today. Just bow your heads and, and agree with me. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you now and we praise and glorify you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to come on one-to-one, face-to-face, live with my brothers and sisters all across the world and even though we have taken a stand that we are not wearing masks we are not socially distancing we are not bowing our knees to this uh, demonic phantom virus and the political agenda behind it we do understand that friends and loved ones in mongolia and in philippines and in china and all across the world partners of the ministry members of all nations international fellowship cannot go to church cannot fellowship face to face and so we thank you father god that we have this means and this medium to be able to reach out to contact to connect with all those who are in that particular situation and even those father god who are abroad in japan david who's part of our ministry here in japan missionary david father god that is there but we cannot meet together face to face due to border restrictions and flight restrictions and so forth but through these means we can meet and connect i thank you for everybody who's watching tuning in today right now live or even on the rebroadcast via television or via the internet, Father God, that any sickness, disease, any financial burden, any challenge in their life, we pray for miraculous breakthrough. We thank you, Father God, that you are the God of intervention. You are the God of breakthrough. And whatever situation or circumstances they might be going through, I add my faith with their prayer request. I add my faith with their need, and I pray for a turnaround, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray that you would deliver. I pray that you would heal. I pray that you would restore. I pray every ordinance of handwriting that's against anybody watching me today, that it would be canceled by the blood of Jesus, taken away, being nailed to the cross. I thank you for supernatural intervention. I thank you for grace. I thank you for a second chance, a third chance, Father God, for those who are in need of a deliverance, for those who are in need of a way of escape, Father God. I thank you that you prepared a way. Those who are in bondage and ungodly relationships, we thank you that their soul ties are broken, that their relationship is broken, and we thank you that they are set free to move away from bad influences in Jesus' name every physical condition in the physical body in the life in the health of anybody watching today that is oppressed with illness sickness and disease we bind it in the name and authority of Jesus of Nazareth and we release a miracle today right now as they're watching and we thank you father God for the angels to be released to, to minister and hearken diligently to the spoken word of God and we thank you Holy Ghost for partnering with me to partnering with your apostles hallelujah to perform signs and wonders in the name of your holy child Jesus and father we believe it we declare it's done we ask you for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost I ask you for a fresh touch of the spirit father God for those watching wherever they're at they're in bed driving at work father god i pray for a revival in their spirit a revival in their walk a revival in their life let them be set free from every demonic entanglement and let them shine brightly for jesus and this we pray and we declare in the name of jesus somebody type in the comments amen or shout a living hallelujah in your living room amen amen hallelujah so we want to invite you to open up a watch party, invite people in today to the watch party, and we want to just bless you and welcome you. Also, I want to make a little announcement. I just got a couple new suits in today from my tailor. I've been going to the same tailor now for 
uh, maybe five, six years. And my tailor has done all my suits for television, all my suits for TV, for my TV shows in China on secular television. My tailor also does uh, all the diplomats, most, not all, but many of the diplomats in Beijing. And my tailor, I've used my particular tailor for years to bless people like Bishop Pavel in Bulgaria and, and Reverend Kirk Dubois from Rama in Broken Arrow. And I've used this tailor to bless many of the ministers. I've I, I, you know, countless names of ministers with nice suits and so forth. And so now that we're here, uh, I just got a couple suits made and sent to me. And we decided that we're going to serve the, the area here. And of course, if you're anywhere in America, we can serve you too. But what we're going to do is we're going to open up my personal tailor for you, and we're going to help you pick your materials, whether it's cashmere, wool, cotton, uh, whatever kind of suits you want. We're going to have all the books and materials here, and my wife will be taking your measurements, helping you pick your fabrics, and helping you get tailor custom-made suits at about a quarter of the price that you would pay in your uh, in any U.S. tailor. Of course, if you're going to go to Men's Warehouse and buy a polyester uh, pre-made suit, you will probably get it a few dollars cheaper than what we would give you. But if you're going to get any kind of nice wool or cashmere soup, we'll beat that price by about 75% less, and it will be tailored and custom made. We'll be able to put your initials in your cuffs, initials in your jackets, whatever. So that's a little business that my wife would be doing to serve the people of God. We believe the people of God should be the best dressed people in the world. Hallelujah. Now, I know that pastors nowadays like to wear skinny jeans and sip soy lattes in the pulpit and, and wear, wear jeans with holes in them and so forth, but, but, but it, it, that's cool if that's your style. But me, I come from an old school Sicilian, Italian, Chicago background, and we believe that you should dress and look your best. You know, my, my great-grandfather, uh, Grandpa Canizo, he used to wear a fedora everywhere he went. He had a cane, and, he, and he'd walk around 100 degrees, 90 degrees around the Chicago area, you know, in the Italian community with his fedora and his suit and tie and his, his cane. And, I mean, he, he was the man, you know, and, and the apple hasn't fallen much from the tree. I don't wear a fedora, but I do believe that we should be dressed best. Hallelujah. And of course, if you work in government and you plan to be used in government or you plan to be used in business, you know, your dress is like, <laughs> I don't know if it's 30% or 40%, but your dress and how you present yourself is 40% of the battle. You can't go uh, really operating greatly in government arena, mentoring and ministering parliament members, presidents, and so forth, if you're wearing skinny, ripped-up jeans. It's just not going to work. I'm sorry. I hate to tell you that. But if you work in government, you know, the and I've worked in embassies for years, ministering, preaching within embassies, every one of them have to wear a suit every single day. So you have to come with a certain class, a certain... Uh, a certain style if you're going to be able to reach people on the higher end. But if you're just going to be called to work uh, maybe in the ghettos and in the hoods and in the slums, of course, you know, your ripped up skinny jeans are cool. But if you're going to be moving in government and business with, 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 with reaching millionaires and billionaires and, and superstars, you're going to have to be able to dress with a little bit more class, a little bit more integrity. And so it's very expensive to do that in America and in the Western countries. It costs two two thousand plus to have a nice homemade, uh, tailor-made, custom-made cashmere wool suit, but we'll be able to do that for you here from uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma at about 25% of the total price it would cost you at any tailor in the United States. So great fabrics, great stitching. Uh, so just contact us if you're interested. My wife is uh, preparing some brochures and so on, and we're getting the fabric uh, samples shipped to us, and we'll be able to serve the community in that way. And all the proceeds will go towards uh, helping with the ministry that we're doing here and helping with stabilizing different things in the transition here. Uh, so we don't plan to necessarily uh, do a big business with this, but just a little bit of service for the men and women of God, because we believe that men and women of God need to dress better. Uh, when I went to Bible college, of course, at World Harvest or Rod Parsley's, everybody had to wear a suit and tie. And I was one of the best dressed guys in the Bible college at that time. However, because I believe God, I used my faith to buy five suits. However, all five of those suits were polyester. Well, I don't wear polyester anymore. Now it's all wool and cashmere, but it's at the same price. 
praise the Lord, than what I would have paid for a polyester suit at Men's Warehouse. So I want to make that blessing available for especially young people that are called to government. Called, I'll be meeting on Tuesday night. I'm meeting with the mayor of Tulsa. So, you know, you have to have a good clothes in order to do that. And unfortunately, most of my suits are stuck in the Philippines. We're having a hard time shipping that out. So when I got here and I was preaching over at World Harvest Church, Pastor Mary Cuffton said, hey, Bishop, I want to bless you with a couple of suits. How much does it cost? And I said, well, no, how much? he didn't ask how much it costs. He said, just send me the bill. So I bought a couple of suits. I've had them shipped here. It just took about two weeks to get them tailor-made and shipped here. And they'll be shocked when they see how low the bill was. Hallelujah. So I just want to throw that out there, make that announcement. You're the first people in the world hearing this announcement. Uh, Jade's Custom Tailoring. Jade's Custom Tailoring is the business my wife has launched and will be doing suits and nice dresses, tailor-made suits for women, so forth. So you can dress your best and you can reach people on their level by dressing for success. Don't dress where you want to be, or excuse me, don't dress where you are, don't dress where you be, but dress where you want to be. In the name of Jesus. So we want to just encourage you to, to dress up a little bit nice to represent Jesus Christ. If I'm not in a suit, I'm in my sweats because I'm in the gym most of the time. And I've been in the gym now, I say about for 21 days, 21 days straight practically. I've been in the gym just getting back in the shape because COVID had me out of shape. I was, uh, you know, you know, not doing too much. The gyms were closed. The most exercise I'd have is walk to the grocery or I go street evangelizing. But I used to, before that, I'd be in the gym three, four times a week exercising. But now uh, we're in Tulsa. The gym has opened up since we arrived and I've been three weeks exercising, sit-ups, push-ups, treadmills, weightlifting, swimming, getting back in shape. And we're getting back in shape because I'll be in a few days back to ministering to the masses. As we open the doors of the River Church Tulsa, we'll be ministering back to the masses. And last time I laid hands on a thousand people, when I was in, um, in, in, in Nanjing church preaching, I laid hands on a thousand people. It took me about four hours to lay hands on everybody there. And of course, you know, lay hands on this one, Holy Ghost baptism, this one, a healing. This one, a deliverance. This one, the salvation. Everyone that I was laying hands on were receiving a different supernatural miracle and impartation. But it came to the point where about maybe three hours of laying hands, I thought I was going to just like keel over like Goliath. Hallelujah. I mean, I was just like, I was just laying hands, laying hands, laying hands. I started getting dizzy and I started kind of keeling over and I... I had to step and take a breath, and I sat down on the podium, and uh, somebody brought me a glass of orange juice, and I drank the glass of orange juice, and they gave me some, uh, I guess, some sugar. I, I don't know, but there were doctors that were there that are students, and they said that I needed to uh, replenish my sugar levels. So they gave me a glass of orange juice. I drank a glass of orange juice, and I was able to get back up and lay hands on about another 200 people. But I tell you what. That was not easy to lay hands on a thousand people and release the miracle power of God. When the virtue of Christ flows from your body, it does take a physical release. It takes a physical strength as you, as you are a, a vessel to release that anointing through people. It, 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 it does drain the, your physical energy. So um, I laid hands on that thousand people there. And I was quite tired, honestly. So now we're coming to Tulsa, and we're going to be opening the doors again. And we'll be seeing thousands of people come through the doors of our church here in Tulsa as we open up and begin to have revival. I need to be in the best shape possible. So that's why if I'm not in a suit, I'm in my sweats. Hallelujah. So if you catch me on the streets in my sweats, you know I'm coming to or from the gym. Hallelujah. But otherwise, we encourage everyone to dress your best. Represent the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Now, speaking of dress, I want to address to you a little bit from the book of Matthew chapter 3 about another very interesting dresser. His name was John the Baptist here. And we're going to get into this in, John, in Matthew chapter 3, and I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. But before we do, let's run one more time our video on the river 
Tulsa. And let's just run that video one more time and encourage you all to, to share this video and be a part of the vision, what God is doing. You could sow, you could pray, you could come, you could relocate to Tulsa and be a part of a great river that's opening up right here in the Midwest, the buckle of the Bible Belt. And is God done with Tulsa? Or can the oil of the Spirit be struck again? Has COVID caught the buckle of the Bible Belt with their pants down? In the middle of the world's darkest hour, Bishop Joseph Castillo of All Nations International Fellowship believes the spirit of revival is here and ready to be poured out on those who fearlessly preach the glorious full gospel of Jesus Christ and refuse to shut their doors. In the middle of this drought, a river is springing forth. The River Church has come to Tulsa by divine mandate and will be opening its doors this summer. Join us at the River of Tulsa at All Nations International Fellowship. Hallelujah. If you're excited about that, I want to welcome you to come to my house. We're having house meetings, and it's just a kind of getting to know you kind of time. We're not really um, pressing in and having great demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. We're just kind of getting to know each other slowly, building a team, and we're meeting here on Friday nights. And I have a, a few friends coming to my home here on Friday nights, and uh, they're not going to be in our church, but they just want to come and, and pray with us and be a part of what God is doing, even though they go to their own respective church. But if you're in the area and you want to support this great ministry and great mighty revival center that god is raising up here then we invite you to come to visit us you could just inbox me private message me if you don't look too crazy i'll send you my address hallelujah amen can't have everybody coming into the house hallelujah amen let's take a look here at matthew chapter 3 as we get into this word says in the passion translation matthew chapter 3 verse 1 that it was at this time that John the baptizer began to preach in the desert of Judah, or Judea in the King James. His message was simply this. The realm of heaven's kingdom is about to appear. So you'd better keep turning away from evil and turn back to God. Now, we're going to get into this, but I have to tell you, this is the same message that I have. The realm of heaven's kingdom is about to explode right here on the scene. And it's going to explode greatly in America. Why America? Because as America goes, so goes the whole world. So America has always been on the precipice of God's global movement. More missionaries come from America than any country in the whole world. America has been responsible for more great outpourings and conversions of entire nations under great ministries like T.L. Osborne and, and Reinhard, uh, Reinhard Bonnke, well, even Reinhard Bonnke based his ministry in America. Um, big ministers in Canada came and they based their ministries in America because America is a launching pen for global ministry. The American church is one of the most uh, financially powerful churches in the world and one of the most generous giving churches in the world. But the church at large in America has been compromised. And this compromise has began over 100 years ago, starting from the seminaries as demonic uh, plotters and planners. And people have come together to conspire to infiltrate the church of Jesus Christ and the seminaries across America and then across the world through America with a compromising, seeker-sensitive um, gospel, a gospel that is void of power, that is a cloud without rain. And so now we believe that as the enemy has even used America to teach secretarianism, teach against the Holy Ghost, 
Teach against the baptism of fire. Teach to have division amongst the nations. And when you go to mission fields like Vietnam and you go to Laos and you go to Cambodia, you see that the missionaries are the ones responsible for the for the hindrance of the move of God. You go to the Philippines, you find that the missionaries are responsible for the division and for the, for the infighting within the Christian body. You go to any uh, strict Baptist church in the Philippines and they're against the charismatics. Well, where did they learn that from? Well, they got it from the American missionaries who went there and taught them beware of Pentecost. So, you know, America has exported much darkness and division and much demonic teachings through the church. When I was in the Philippines, uh, Vietnam, Saigon, I was speaking with the assistant pastor, the second in command of one of the large 30,000 member underground churches. And he said that in the early 1990s, uh, Vietnam had a great revival. Signs and wonders and miracles were taking place all throughout Vietnam. And he said, but when the missionaries came in from America and they began to teach us and they brought in the theological schools and they said we needed to be equipped theologically and we had to have the accreditations and we had to have the degrees. He said, I don't know why and I, I don't understand, but for some reason, all the miracles stopped. They ceased. And I said, what? Wow. It just blew me back. I was shocked to find out what had happened in the Vietnam during that great revival. Same thing happened in Mongolia. Mongolia opened up the, when, the, when the communism fell in Mongolia. Missionaries came in from YWAM, and they, they had the Jesus film playing all around there. One of my friends, Harold Jones, he was responsible for funding the, the Jesus film there in Mongolia. And in the 90, 91, 92, 93, great revival happened. Miracles, signs, and wonders, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place. And, and a, a guy named uh, Charles, an African evangelist, came in and had massive crusade, filled up a stadium, 60,000, 70,000 people. Monks came down by the droves with their orange uh, monk uniforms or whatever, the robes. And when they saw the miracles, the uh, dozens of the monks rushed to the altar and they tore off their robes. They took off their orange robes and they threw them on the ground and they renounced Buddhism and they came to Jesus when they saw the miracles. Wow. Sounds like the Bible, doesn't it? Well, that's what should be happening. Hallelujah. But what happened was then all the uh, Korean missionaries came in from the Presbyterian church and then the Baptist missionaries came in. And what happened was they quenched the spirit. They said that these miracles are demonic, that these tongues are from the devil. And they began to teach secretarianism, separate and divide the church, teach denominationalism. And they tore the move of God up and Mongolia became spiritually dead. And as a result of the spiritual death that took place by about 2007, the church was dead in Mongolia. They had big buildings. They had Bible colleges. They had Korean missionaries all over the country and with Korean cafes, Korean theologies, Korean churches, but they were spiritually dead. And what happened is the shamans came together and they made a vow to win Gongolia back to shamanism. And they made a pledge that they were going to put one shaman in every family. And shamanism began to explode across the country as the church was void of power. And then laid dormant and then laid dead till I showed up in the year 2013. And I was responsible for bringing a great wave of revival back to the country in which the enemy has been attacking that wave through religion, through religious pastors ever since that took place. But I'm telling you that there's a wave coming that no demon-possessed pastor, no demon-possessed theology school is going to be able to stop what God is doing right now. And my message to Mongolia, to Philippines, to China, to Laos, to Vietnam, is, and even to America first, because I believe as America goes, so goes the world, is that the heaven, the hell, the excuse me, the realm of heaven's kingdom, the realm of revival, signs, wonders, and miracles, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that God in one minute can do by a fire baptism 
baptism, what counselors couldn't do in 20 years of therapy is about to appear and you better keep turning away from evil. Now is the time to repent. Now is the time to lay aside the weight. Now is the time to turn away from evil and step into the great latter day outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And I've been preaching to you since February. If you watch our broadcast on the Game of Thrones, I've been preaching to you since February. Now, what's happening is that this phantom virus, this COVID uh, cold flu-like virus, it's about the strength of a flu or a cold, that this corona cold virus, flu virus, has been so propped up and hoaxed up by the establishment government, by the new world order, by the new world government, that it has been meant to stop the church, meant to stop the preaching, meant to shut down the worship, meant to pull missionaries off the field, meant to cut off the funding for that this is the great opposition of Satan the devil who is trying to stop the flow of God's glory that is about to be poured out because it is about to be poured out. But I'm telling you, that the enemy has not been able to silence, to shut up or kill those that are going to carry this glory into this next age. And that is you and that is me. Hallelujah. If we will not bow down, if we will not back down. And so my message is the same as John the Baptist that said, repent, turn from evil, turn back to God because a realm of God's glory, a realm of revival is about to appear, says the Lord. So Isaiah prophesied this, speaking of John, and it says here in verse 3 that Isaiah was referring to John when he prophesied this. A thunderous voice. One will be crying out in the wilderness. Prepare yourself for the Lord's coming and level a straight path inside your hearts for him. Now, John wore clothing that was made from camel's hair tied up at his waist. I have a nice yak hair scarf that I bought in Mongolia. It's my favorite scarf. I don't know where it is now. I hopefully it gets shipped back here before the winter comes. Amen. And says of his camel's hair tied at the waist with a leather strap. And his food consisted of dried locusts and wild honey. That wild honey actually is a date honey. It's honey that comes from the dates. It's date honey. They call it wild honey. A steady stream of people from Jerusalem, all the surrounding countryside, and the region near the Jordan came out to the wilderness to be baptized by him. And while they were publicly confessing their sins, he would immerse them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many coming from among the wealthy elite of the Jewish society and many of the religious leaders known as Pharisees coming to witness the baptism, he began to denounce them, saying, You offspring of vipers, who warned you to slither away like snakes from the fire of God's judgment? You must prove yourself with repentance by a changed life. I don't presume that you can get away with merely saying to yourselves, but we're of Abraham's descendants. For I tell you, you can awaken these stones to become the sons of Abraham. The axe is now ready to cut down the trees at their very roots. Every fruitless, rotten tree will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Those who repent, I baptize with water. But there is coming a man after me who is more powerful than I am. In fact, I'm not even worthy enough to pick up his sandals. He will submerge you into union with the spirit of holiness and with a raging fire. Hallelujah. And with a raging fire. Now, as I began to meditate and I began to read this, I have just been led from maybe the last two months, to just go back and read the Matthew 1, Matthew 2, and Matthew 3. And I've just been slowly reading through the first couple of chapters of Matthew and meditating and chewing on the richness of the Gospels of Jesus Christ. And, and as I began to look at this, God showed me something here. First, it says in verse 1, that there came a guy named John, and he is baptizing in the desert. 
So God said to me, everyone who's called by God in the ministry, they begin to preach in the middle of nowhere. Maybe some small church in Timbuktu, Africa, or maybe some small church in Nebraska, or a small church in the middle of the ghetto of Chicago on the west side at Lake Pulaski. Every great man called of God begins to start the ministry off like John did much in a desert place. Not many people there, nobody around. And as they begin to preach the word of the Lord, and as the word of the Lord comes to them like fire shot up in their bones, and they begin to preach the word of the Lord with fire and with passion and with conviction, what happens is a steady, verse 5, what happens immediately is a steady stream of people come. A steady stream of people start coming. This week, four people. Next week, eight people. The next week, 15 people. Then 20. Then 30. Then 300. Then 4,000. Then 10,000. And, and, and this is how a movement of God begins to come upon a man of God. They start off as a voice in the wilderness with a hunger, with a burden, with a passion, with a conviction, with a non-compromising message. And the next thing that happens is, Verse 5, a steady stream of people begin to come. And this is the progression of a man or woman of God that has the calling of God. A steady stream of people begin to come. But after that steady stream of people begin to come, now the dynamics begin to change. Now you're noted. Now you are getting a bit famous. Now your name is being spoken in the religious circles. Look at me. At verse 7. Number 1, you start off in the middle of nowhere. Number 2, in verse 5, a steady stream begin to come. Then number 7, when he saw many coming from amongst the wealthy and elite. So the next thing that happens, now the religious crowd's not paying attention to you. The pastors in the area don't know who you are. And uh, I'll give you an example. Say somebody like uh, Bill Winston. And when my, my pastor Bill Winston, he came to Chicago and nobody knew who he was in the church. He was not famous in the church world. You know, I've come to America. Nobody knows me in the church. Nobody knows me in the church world. In Asia, I was very famous. I was on television, movies and cinemas and, and acting and commercials for Toyota and different things. I was quite famous, but nobody in America knows me. And so now I've come to America like John the Baptist. Nobody knows me. I'm just a, a voice crying in the wilderness that revival is coming, that those who have shut down their churches in, 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 in fear, in obedience to the devil and not stood for the constitution and not stood for the freedom of religion and those who didn't want to go to jail and didn't want to be accused didn't want to be sued had compromises shut down i'm i'm nobody i'm just a voice in america crying in the wilderness but what happens is as a steady stream of people begin to come and now no pastors knew bill winston in chicago no pastors knew rod parsley when he was in uh canal winchester ohio preaching and that little church now called Dominion Hall. Nobody knew him until a steady stream of people began to come. So now a steady stream of people begin to come. And what happens then is next in verse seven, many people began to come from the wealthy and the elite of Jewish society. So now you have a steady stream of people coming. And now all of a sudden, uh, a wealthy banker's coming, a CEO, a businessman. Now maybe some entertainer, Chakra Khan or Chakra Khan comes to visit the church. Maybe, you know, you're beginning to make inroads amongst the wealthy and the elite. Now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, now the religious leaders who didn't care less who you were, who pay no attention, who didn't know who you were, now you got their attention. Because not only do you have a steady stream of people, but now you have the wealthy and the elite coming to you. And now the religious people's eyes begin to open, their ears begin to perk, their tail goes straight back up on their behind, and they begin to look and pay attention to the man of God who's anointed with the Spirit. But this is where things begin to change. Verse 1, he's in Judah. 
in the wilderness by himself a voice. Verse 5, a steady stream of people begin to come. After that steady stream of people begin to come, verse 7, the wealthy and the elite come. And it says when he saw them coming from the wealthy and the elite of society, then many of, look at verse 7, then many of the religious leaders known as Pharisees coming to witness the baptism began to denounce them, saying, now look at this. First the wealthy come, then followed by the wealthy and the influential. That means now you're making waves, and now the religious devils want to pay attention to you. Now they all want to show up. Amen. We don't need you to show up when we have a steady stream of people, and when we have, hallelujah, uh, the wealthy and the influential. You need to show up if you have any discernment when the hand of God is on a voice. And you need to be on the cutting edge. That's why uh, pastors that have big influential churches and famous visions uh, before and churches now stand as large mausoleums full of dead people. The reason why they're dead is because they fail to recognize the move of God, the voice of the prophet, and to continue on at the spearhead of what God is doing. And instead they've gotten comfortable in their mausoleums. And it says here that when the verse 7 Many wealthy and elite came, and immediately after that, and many of the religious leaders, known as the Pharisees, came to witness the baptism. Now this is where pastors need to tread carefully. This is where you need to be careful. This is where your ministry is made or is broken. And I'll never forget the name of a famous prophet. I won't say it here on television, but there's a famous prophet that he was pastoring a very successful church. And Satan, the devil, came into his office as a man. And I will not say his name, what this man told him his name was, but it was the devil himself. And he was dressed up in a beautiful clothing and smooth looking and black mustache and, you know, slick back hair. And he said to him, Prophet, I'll make you the biggest church in America. This was, I believe, in the 60s. He said, I'll give you the biggest church in America, and I'll make you the most famous pastor in America. I'll send all the celebrities and the stars to your church. But you need to agree to preach what I give you. I'll give you the sermons every week. I'll give you what to preach every week. And you preach what I tell you. You preach on grace. And you preach on the forgiveness of sins and, and how as long as you uh, are called uh, a Christian, as long as you attend once a week, you can live how you want. And you begin to preach the messages that I give you, and I'll make you the most largest church. You make them feel good. You make them feel comfortable. You teach them that there is no compromise for everyone has died in Christ Jesus, and they can live how they want, and I'll give you the richest most successful church in America. Teach them that there's other ways to heaven and God honors the heart and no matter where you live in the world, whatever religion you have, as long as you're devout, you're going to go to heaven. Teach them this message and I'll make you the most famous and successful pastor in America. And this man was in fear and he was in trembling and he shook under this demonic visitation. And he didn't know how this man had gotten to his office because to get to his office, you had to walk up a set of stairs. And on the first level where those stairs were, uh, there was all the staffs, the administration, the secretaries. He don't know how he had gotten through to his office. But he stood there in fear and trembling and was able to muster a rebuke in the name of Jesus. And as soon as he did, this man's face changed into that of like a reptilian. And he hissed at him and he said, I'll bring you down. And he turned around and he walked down the stairs and, and, and he, was, he was white as a ghost, shook it in fear. And he ran down the stairs after, after him, behind him, and he told the secretaries and those uh, in the administration, he said, did you see what just happened? And they said, what do you mean? Did you see who just came into my office? They said, no, who? He said, how did he get past you? He said, what are you talking about, Pastor? Are you okay? You look like you've seen a ghost. Needless to say, the enemy had come to him and asked him to compromise. This is where you'll be tested. As John the Baptist, first he's out there preaching to himself. Then he sees a steady stream of people and 
Betsy, Sister Betsy asked him, how are those minas going down there, John? He says, well, they look like they're doing good. They must be doing good because it's a steady stream of people coming. Next week, here come the rich and the elites. How are they doing down there, John? Asked Sister Betsy. And John the baptizer says, it's what? We're starting to make an impact now where the elites, the wealthy of the society are coming down to the services. But now how are you going to keep them? Well, now you're heroes of the faith. Those who once trailblazed in their 20s and in their 30s and now they're in their 60s that you've honored and respect, but their churches have become mausoleums. The move of God had passed them. And they're no longer even on the cutting edge of what God is doing. Their ministries will never go and grow and move forward as they're surrounded by staff members and counselors that will not let them go to the next level. But John, yet being the young prophet in the wilderness, still honoring and respecting them, sees these religious leaders in the, the modern-day religious sect of his time. And there's a temptation to give them a good seat on the platform and honor what the great men of God have done. The temptation to respect them for being studying in the school of Gamaliel and, and being the leaders and, and fighting the, the Roman Empire and for fighting for righteousness and holiness and for fighting to keep the temple open, for fighting to keep worship and for being good, devout leaders of the faith, tithing off everything that they have. There's a temptation to begin to honor them. There's a temptation to begin to make pews and seats safe for the rich and the elite because, after all, we don't want them to be bothered by the poor people who might come in and want to uh, beg them for money or ask them for a job. And so we want to put them to the special entrance to give them a special seat and tell them that you can live whatsoever way that you want. You can live your eyes wide shut. Your Fifty Shades of Grey lifestyle, as long as you believe in Jesus, you're going to heaven. There's the temptation to get on Oprah's show and be invited back and be the coolest celebrity pastor with the New York bestseller book. There's the temptation. But what did John do? The Holy Spirit showed me this. And look at how John responded. He said he began to denounce them. How many preachers do you know would denounce them when they come through the doors, would denounce the wealthy and the elites when they come to the door, would denounce the generals of the faith that have stood once for the great movements of God and revival? He began to denounce them saying, you offspring of vipers, who warned you to slither away like snakes from the fire of God's judgment? This is what he said. He said, you must prove your repentance by a changed life. The Holy Ghost said to me, who preaches that? Who preaches that you must prove your repentance by a changed life? Nobody preaches that anymore. Nobody would dare to preach that anymore. And they're afraid to do it. But that's what John the Baptist said. He said, who? You must Prove your repentance by a changed life. Not live any way you want as long as you come on in the church and you lift up your hands and you clap to some a gospel singer whose pants are entirely way too tight. They have a spirit of sissy on them. No, he said to these elite religious leaders, he said to these elite stars and celebrities, he says that, I'm sorry, but you're not going to be accepted as a child of Abraham just because you've come into this church. He said, but you have to prove your life, prove your repentance by a changed life. He said this, don't you presume that you could get away with merely saying to yourselves, well, I'm a descendant of Abraham. I don't care if you sat under Brother Hagen. I don't care if you were Hagen's spiritual son. If you sat under Oral Roberts, you graduated from ORU. I don't care if you sat under the greatest ministries, T.L. Osborne. You were a staff or assistant pastor. That don't mean that you are the one who's carrying the mantle. It does not mean you're the one that's carrying the spirit of revival. It doesn't mean you're the next one that has some kind of entitlement to the move of God. Because let me tell you, God is able to raise up out of the stones the next Kenneth Hagen. 
pagan who never been to Rama, who never read his books. God is able to raise up out of these stones the next Oral Roberts, who never worked in ministry, who never graduated from there. God is able to raise up a next Oral Roberts from Timbuktu, Africa. God is able to raise up the next Teal Osborne from Mongolia, Ulaanbaatar, who don't have the relationships, who don't have the network, who are just a voice crying in the wilderness. Don't think that you're entitled to the move of God because who you're associated with. You're entitled to a move of God because you've humbled yourself before heaven, because you have given a life proven to be a life changed with repentance, and you are one that says, I will not compromise. Bring me the rich into my congregation. Bring the steady stream of people. Bring the religious generals, and I will not compromise in preaching holiness and repentance and calling the elders and call the youngest to be on the cutting edge of the move of God, to repent and seek the Lord, and don't be comfortable in your past success, but to ask God, what do you want to do left on this planet Earth? Because it's the reason that we have compromised that we see Antifa. It's because the reason that we have compromised that BLM has taken over the agenda of, 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 of black people. And let me tell you, God has called and anointed black people. It was a black person that carried the cross for Jesus. And let me tell you, that has not gone unnoticed. God's going to use black people greater than any other race in these last days. But the call of God upon the black people have been hijacked by a false demonic uh, imitation Black Lives Matter, the satanic group, it's an imitation that's lifted up a banner and the black people have heard the call to it and the Hebrew Israelites, black people have heard the call to it and they're following an imitation but the real calling of God the real high purpose, the real purpose of living, the real destiny calling black people is to be a vessel for revival, for signs and wonders, for the salvation of the lost for the shaking of the nations, not to not to to, to justify, not to edify, not to lift up a, a color of skin, but the color of a blood of a lamb who was slain, whose name is Jesus Christ. That's the calling of God upon the black people. But it's been substituted. It has been subverted through subversion because those responsible for being on the cutting edge of what God is doing, have compromised their politically correct gospel, not wanting to offend anybody, saying, just come on in and sit down and we can be friends. When God is saying, where are my John the Baptist that will tell the rich and the elites and the generals of the faith, the Pharisees, and denounce them, saying, you spring of vipers, who have called you to slither away like snakes? From the fire of God's judgment. Where are the prophets? Where are the voices of those calling in the wilderness? And when God begins to give you a voice. And he begins to raise you up. Will your lifetime of insecurity. Cause you to embrace some stardom. You know why God made me famous in China? And there's so many people who have moved to China and moved to Hollywood, moved to California to be producers, editors, TVs, actors. They never had the chance. They, they don't get it. They're not been successful. Why God chose me? Because I never wanted it. Never wanted it. I told them, no, I don't want to be on your show. No, I don't want to be. I told the producers, I don't want to be famous. Pay me some money, honey, so I can support my family. But I could care less about the, the TV time. They didn't understand why. This, you're the only one that's ever not want to been on our show. 600 million viewers. You don't want to be on the show. What's wrong with you? I said, I don't care about any of that. If I can't preach Jesus, or if you're not going to put money in my pocket, I don't want to be on the show. That was my attitude. I'm not saying it was right because I didn't understand that with, with the exposure it would give me influence and protect me from the police. I didn't understand that. But my heart was in that place. And because my heart was there, God gave me a free TV show on TBN. God gave me free TV time all across the world, hundreds of millions of viewers, because I never wanted that. And how many losers graduated with me from Bible school and started in the ministry and never had more than 20 people, never did nothing for the God, because they all had their ambition, and God will not be mocked. But when you have a true calling from God, a steady stream of people will begin to come. What will you do? When the notoriety comes, will you compromise or will you tell them 
bring me a lifestyle that's been proven to have change in it. Prove your repentance to a changed lifestyle. You slithering snakes. Or will you make them as comfortable as possible to try and get in Charisma magazine? And you know they're a fag or whatever. You gotta hook up with them. You know they're a false prophet. You know they're a womanizer, but you hook up with them and ride the tail of their ministry. And when they begin to crash and burn, you go off and do your own thing because you just wanted to become successful. God will never let you be successful as you could be because your heart's in the wrong place. Anyways, prepare yourself to be used from God by having the right motive, the right intention, and it must be about being faithful to the call of God and making your priority souls, not stardom. I pray that many more women of God, men of God, will raise up across the world. Maybe have no affiliation. Some people say, why you put a video up? You come into Tulsa with Kenneth Hagin moving in the power of the Spirit and all Roberts preaching crusades. And you never been there. You didn't graduate from there. You have no affiliation or tie to them. Let me tell you, God will raise up even from these stones, son of Kenneth Hagin. God will raise up even from these stones, sons and daughters of Catherine Kuhlman, Jack Cole, A.A. A. Allen. You don't have to have any affiliation with them in the flesh because God is able to raise up from stones, sons of Abraham. Anyways, I pray that this message would challenge and encourage you. We love you. We want to welcome you to visit us. If you're in the Tulsa area, come down here on a Friday night for fellowship. Let's get together in fellowship. And once we get a location, we'll open up our Sundays and we'll begin to, to just have revival. Hallelujah. We're looking for some worship leaders now and people that want to come and be a part. Apply. Connect with us. Inbox me. Message me. We love you. Let's run the video for the River Church Tulsa. Is God done with Tulsa, or can the oil of the Spirit be struck again? Has COVID caught the buckle of the Bible Belt with their pants down? In the middle of the world's darkest hour, Bishop Joseph Castillo of All Nations International Fellowship believes the spirit of revival is here and ready to be poured out on those who fearlessly preach the glorious full gospel of Jesus Christ and refuse to shut their doors. In the middle of this drought, a river is springing forth. The River Church has come to Tulsa by divine mandate and will be opening its doors this summer. Join us at the River of Tulsa at All Nations International Fellowship. We had to stop the recording at that point, but you might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. You know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way. Like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, when I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. And his way is the right way because he made you. And he made you for a purpose. And he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart 
to Him right now together with me. God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like you to contact me. And we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life. Because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something. Or maybe we know some pastors there that can follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening. And feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the Word of God.